Here's our first question, ladies and gentlemen, from Bit Connor. Hey guys, curious if you're watching traditional equities at all, and if you think we'll see crypto become more correlated this year. I can tell you for a personal experience, uh, Bit Connor, that I do not uh, trade any form of traditional equities with the exception of just watching the Dow Jones when it burns down or when it goes up and laughing that it's only in 3% swings and people are panicking. I mean, just for the lulls of it, and I'm trying to get into some ICT material, um, I am kind of watching like cable and fiber and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not trading it as for now. I mean, it only starts getting like as profitable as crypto if you go leverage on it, uh, which is fine, I guess. Um, as for it, when they're going to come related, I think maybe once... Um, we get USD pairs for more altcoins. Uh, I think then like the, the need for BTC to be like this almighty between thing um, gets removed because everyone, of course, wants to trade in USD. Um, so I guess then they might get a little bit more correlated, but I don't know. On the other hand, I, if we all start using decentralized exchanges more, then it's entirely possible that in some corners of the market, it will become even more highly correlated with Bitcoin. Like the market will sort of divide in two between, you know, the decentralized exchanges, which, you know, are going to be fully dependent on, uh, you know, at least some sort of crypto uh, intermediary exchange. The only other uh, like traditional equity or something like that of that nature that I would be interested in, I think, is uh, some form of precious metals. Um, although I've never actually honestly looked into purchasing gold or silver, and I've never really done a whole lot of research into it. I just think that if I was going to branch out of the crypto space, that's probably the first place that I would look into next. Um, I don't really personally have any interest in Forex or traditional stocks, at least not right now in my life. So, um... I, I have actually traded the equities markets uh, over the past, oh gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years. Um, and uh, I mean, I've just owned some stock even longer than that. But uh, I sold everything in January of this year and I have not bought back into it because the equities markets are currently in a downtrend. Uh, and they have not broken out of it one way or the other yet. So just kind of waiting to see what happens with that. Um, like even now, just kind of pulling up a chart of the Dow Jones. Um, it's got this kind of order block uh, at, let's see, what is this? This is 23, 23,262 to uh, 23,530. Um, and it's whipped down into that now. One, two, three, four, five times um and then it bounced really hard out of it the last time but it uh, it hasn't broken the downtrend yet uh as to like correlation with the traditional equities markets um i think we'll actually see kind of more inverse correlation i think you'll see more money moving between the markets as there are more options for people to do that as we get more of these, you know, leverage trading platforms for investors, um, you know, more stable and uh, legitimate <laughs> platforms that are regulated um, and have the proper paperwork through the FCC and uh, FFT. Um, oh, geez, I can't talk. <laughs> CFT. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, the regulatory bodies in the U.S. Exactly. <laughs> As we have more of these options, um, I think that you will see people kind of moving between the markets where they'll sell the top of one to buy the bottom of the other. Um, and psychologically, that makes sense to me. Uh, yep. I mean, again, as far as my trading experience, it's only within crypto. But I, certainly if I could tell you know, through my crystal ball that crypto has reached its current peak and it's going to now enter a bear market, Dow Jones is currently sitting at its bottom and looks like it could go up. Why not? It's, you know, it's kind of like moving between just different coins in a sense. Yes. Yes. CFTC. Thank you, Commander Armstrong. <laughs>
Okay, anyway, um, we actually kind of jumped right into the questions because we could have uh, thought it'd be a good time to start. But uh, let me introduce everyone first. That might be great yeah. for the recording, huh, McGriff? <laughs> okay, don't worry. Um, yeah, so, uh, originally, we planned on having uh, Nevermore and McGruff take the stage here. Uh, but last second, uh, McGruff had some power outage issues. issues um, so um, he wasn't sure if he was going to be here. So we also brought along... Um, Epistemy Crisis, uh, which is one of our contributors here. So uh, he was uh, epistemic, to tell epistemic Crisis. Epistemic Crisis. Holy shit! I, no, I butchered that word. Epistemic. Epistemy Crisis. Epistemic. Yeah, it's, it's storming really bad here in uh, Southwest Ohio, and so I am working from my phone as opposed to uh, my laptop. So if uh, if the quality is really bad, I apologize. Uh, okay, don't worry. Uh, those are the guys on the stage. Uh, make, uh, feel free to ask them anything. If they have anything to link, um, they'll leave it in events broadcast. Um, so you can also like look back when you watch the recording. If you need some visuals or some resources, they will be posted in there. So uh, make sure to check that out. Um, yeah, just get the questions rolling, and we'll just be here for like uh, an hour, maybe a little bit more. Um, see how far the questions get us, and then uh, we likely migrate over to uh, the general discussion channel. Uh, for the ones who are still there. Uh, so yeah, have a good time. Ask them anything and uh, let us know what you thought. Cheers. Yeah. And so uh, I see our resident bear, uh, Niels asked, what was the worst trade I've ever taken or we've ever taken? Um, I can tell you that my worst ever trade, though, was when I was very early in my crypto career. But uh, it's something I wrote about in one of my articles about echo chambers. And uh, specifically, I got caught within a Digibit one, uh, Digibyte, oh. however you want to say that. Um, back in, I guess that was June of last year, uh, probably when everything was really peaked out after the end of the, the big major alt season. Might have been late May, but either way, uh, everybody was screaming, you know, it's going to a dollar, and I didn't understand how market caps worked. And so I blindly, without researching, threw a lot of my money into it. I got burnt really, really hard. But Hey, it was a very valuable lesson that uh, I still firmly believe that you learn the best lessons through pain. And so I've, I've learned a lot because of that trade. So uh, do you remember the, the BTC pairing um, that you bought in on? I don't. Uh, what was a uh, Digibit BTC on, uh, on Polynex, if that's what you were asking? Okay. And you said it was in May? Yeah, it was either either late May, early June. I don't remember the exact time frame, but some somewhere around where it was near its peak. Yeah, oh yeah, that's brutal. And then, you know, that whole screaming of hodl and you know, I didn't know any better, so I did and found out the hard way that that wasn't wise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is that can happen, you know. Um it's like sure if if that's like your time frame is five years then maybe it doesn't matter but yeah if you're if you're trying to trade then hodling is just the worst thing you can do yep um so, and then i see our good buddy oh, i'm sorry go ahead uh jump on yours too if you want to talk about whatever yours was oh yeah yeah so <clears throat> uh worst trade worst trade ever taken uh I, I would probably say that that was uh margin shorting bitcoin last year uh, at one point, you know, I, I was, I was certain that it was going to go down. So I shorted, it had gone, you know, up a crazy amount. I mean, we were at, what were we at that point? Like 13,000 or 12, 12 something. And it was like, okay, this is the top of the log trend for the whole year. It's, it's not going to break out of this. All the indicators say that it's, you know, overbought, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so I tried to trade against the trend, and uh, and I shorted, thinking, hey, "Look at me, you know, I'm I'm so smart. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the guy like in the movie, The Big Short. This is gonna be great, you know." And and here's the thing: I wasn't new at this point. I knew what I was doing, and I still made this mistake. Um, Anybody can make mistakes in this market. And that's why it's so important to practice good risk management. And I didn't during this trade. I, um, you know, I should have stopped out of it at a certain point as my, you know, as my plan dictates. But I was so certain. I was like, no, I'm right. The market's wrong. I'm right. Uh, and then when the market finally did come down where I could have gotten out of it at a small loss, 
I didn't because I said, oh, it's going down more. And of course, then it went up to 19,000 and uh, I lost about 70% of my total account value. Uh, so it was a significant loss for me. Um, I made back most of that within the next two months on a NEO trade. But, uh, but still, in that moment and for that month and a half, that was very painful. You know, that was a, that was a significant loss, um, enough so that, you know, a lot of people at that point would have been like, all right, I, I should probably stop. I should probably get out. Um, and I didn't. You know, I managed to learn from it. I managed to trade more conservatively and, uh, you know, and not be prideful in my trade. And that was really my mistake was that I was just being prideful instead of looking at what was in front of me, looking at the reality of the market. How about you, uh, epistem? I'm sorry, right? Then butcher this <laughs> Epistemic. Yes, yes, you said it right there. That was right. <laughs> Epistemic crisis. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way. It's okay, he's Dutch. I would say my, <laughs> I don't know if this was necessarily my worst trade, but it was des definitely my, uh, the trade that has cost me the most. Um, this happened uh, last night, actually. So, uh, early, yeah, so earlier on in the weekend on Friday, I made like a very well-reasoned, well-planned out high leverage trade that went my way because it was well-reasoned, well-planned out, uh, etc. So what did I do? Uh, I, I happened to catch a breakout in BCH on BitMEX leveraged and long story short, essentially I doubled my trading account. So I think to myself, like there is this voice in my head that says, you know, actually this is a, this is a really big win. Uh, what, what you should do is you should take a step back, you know, reevaluate what your trading strategy is going to be going forward. You know, you can reallocate funds here, there. It's like a couple different exchanges, you know, just reset up position sizes. You know, what would have been like a good plan? So instead, what I do is I made another highly leveraged trade, much less well thought out because, of course, I, uh, you know, because I got greedy and I, you know, I, you know, got a big head. And so that was liquidated. And now I'm basically a little under where I started. Damn. The end. That's actually rough. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel bad. Oh, well. You know what? It, it's, it's fine. It's, I, uh, you know, a few months ago, what I would have gone out and done is revenge traded and lost just the rest of my account. Instead, you know, yeah. sort of, you know, just sort of step back and, you know, just kind of letting my loss sink in. Because uh, it was it was technically realized profits, but I derealized them very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Totally understand. Um, actually, a follow-up question I see in the chat here. Uh, Takeo asks, do you... Uh, do you advise trading with leverage for a beginner trader? Um, no. Yeah. I'm not even sure yeah, I advise trading with leverage for myself, let alone with a beginning trader. I so, have been, uh, you know, trading for a while now, and I still to this day don't get anywhere near leverage trading because I'm terrified of it. Yeah, so I guess that answer is squared. No. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> oh, Question well. answered. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in to just to say like, um, we we do have some education for leverage trading uh, that becomes available to people within the group um, once they become more active and uh, and reach a certain level, um, just through you know talking and and contributing here uh, at the mountain. There are some things that will become available, and we're going to continue adding to that. Um, that being said, the the thing with leverage trading, they're absolutely right. It's dangerous for anybody. Um, as I mean, you just heard two stories where two of us lost money leverage trading, uh, and we knew what we were doing. So if you don't know what you're doing and you haven't traded much, it's so easy to lose money, and not just from trading itself, from the actual mechanics of the platform you're using too. Yeah, and here's my advice: is if you really do want to get into leverage trading, I'm not saying it's personally; it's just not my bag. 
but there's plenty of people core for example who's extremely successful at doing it you can make yeah. a lot of money doing it if you know what you're doing realistically you need to do a lot of research with it you need to get on the test net play with fake btc until you know what you're doing and you're really really comfortable where it's going to burn you me uh, my opinion i think altcoins and other things are more profitable not more profitable but are profitable enough um, that i'm willing to take the risk on those let alone kind of like doubling down on risk and adding leverage to the mix of things now that being said i will add to that um my 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 largest losses and some of my largest wins have been on leverage trading and i do think long term as a trader it uh, it should become part of your arsenal it is something that you should learn to do but um you know you need to be careful with it you need to understand the dangers of it uh but it it should absolutely become part of what you're doing i think core recommended uh, you should at least be trading within the crypto space for about a year before you should think about doing leverage trading, uh, like even getting into it at all. I think uh, you can learn it. sooner than that. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> but anyway, it, it's good advice. Yes, it is good advice. I mean, so, you really have to grind out like everything, honestly. You have to want to know what you're doing, uh, adhere to very, very much this, like a lot of discipline and risk management and that all goes into like you have to know what you're doing and if you just get started you really don't even if you think you do you don't i don't <laughs> i might still not know what you're say no i'm a little bit more confident than that but um which rolls wonderfully into our next question uh from <laughs> commander armstrong the lovely commander armstrong if i may i noticed you uh i noticed you mentioned your salt stop loss hit uh directed at me yes i tweeted that out yesterday uh what was the criteria you used for setting that stop loss was it based off of regular risk management strategy i use and then everybody could you please expand upon your risk management strategy so particularly for salt uh what i did to set my stop loss is i am a huge fan of the ichimoku cloud um especially when you kick it to the crypto settings um i like to look at the four hour and one day time frame for a lot of my things uh, I don't day trade. I just don't have the time. Is you guys heard earlier, I'm holding a baby right now, trying to feed her while I'm doing it. Ask me anything and trying to load groceries in my house. So with a full family life, I don't have time to day trade. So I swing trade and trend trade. Um, so I use that Ichimoku cloud uh, a lot of times to see for the one day clouds when something penetrates it. I like to look for those edge to edge trades. They're one of my favorite setups. I set my stop loss for salt uh, just below the bottom of that one day uh, cloud. I think it was at 3,900 uh, sats. I'd have to go back and look, uh, but I'm almost certain it was at least real close to that. Uh, it just whipped down into it enough to trigger my stop loss and then it recovered back up into it. So in those circumstances like that, I was still in profit with salt. So I just kind of moved on. Um, I may end up buying another small bag again if it retraces, but a better way to answer that, I suppose, is I look for uh, TA-based supports and resistances to set up my stop losses and my sells as well. I don't do it percentage-based because um, I won't buy something unless I'm near a support line, basically. So I'll then set a stop loss below that support line so, hey, if that doesn't hold up and it breaks, it gets me out of the trade. Um, I'm not going to buy in near the top at a resistance line uh, and then have to set a stop loss at like 50% below it to the nearest support or something like that, if, uh, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, like generally with resistance and support, um, you know, you, you want to sell at resistance and buy back above it if necessary. And you want to buy yeah. a support you know, and sell below it if necessary, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when I very first started trading, it's a mistake that I made is uh, sometimes I would buy in at things, um, even maybe not fully understanding how a support worked or resistance worked or a trend line or yeah. whatever, but I would use percentage-based stop losses. I'd be like, well, but this drops 10%, you know, I'm, going, I'm getting out of it. I can't do this anymore. But realistically, right. I was way above what the current support was. I shouldn't have made that purchase to begin with. And yeah. 
there's leaves a lot of wiggle room, especially in like a big triangle or something like that for that to drop back down and it still be an okay, you know, motion. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, it's, that's why when you're first starting out, you know, there's tons of indicators and there's all kinds of things you can look at, but you, you know, if you don't understand support and resistance, uh, you need to start there. It's, you know, you need to, you need to look at trend. You need to look at support. You need to look at resistance. If you understand those three things, then you got a lot going for you already. Um, I honestly don't remember what the question was. <laughs> risk management, just oh. basically what our risk management was. I threw a whole lot of words at something was simple. <laughs> okay, so what's our risk management? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you you said a lot of great stuff, honestly. Like, uh, Potato's got some, got some good ideas there. And, you know, that's the thing. Just like he said, a lot of these things for us, they've come from us making mistakes. And, you know, that's part of why we do this is because we know we can help you guys make fewer of those same mistakes. Um, you know, the reality of it is uh, most people, they hear these things and, and they don't follow the advice and they make the same mistakes again. Uh, and they realize it, but uh, we hope that your mistakes can be less costly uh, overall. My, uh, just real quick, too, yeah, yeah. I, I want to follow up on Bert's question because um, it was directed at me. I'm assuming with the if I don't leverage trade, what did I do during the three, four month bear trend we just had? Uh, and then we'll jump back into that. I just don't want to miss that. Um, yep. So what did I do? Honestly, I sat on the sidelines, but a lot of that had to do with a personal situation more than anything else. Um, if you guys follow me on Twitter, and a lot of these guys here know, um, I was in the hospital. Well, my wife was in the hospital with our baby, um, and then we, we were in the NICU for a while and different things like that. So really, I spent most of the bear market on the sidelines because of personal situation and didn't really get affected by it. And I mean, I pulled all my money out into fiat, and I was just sitting there waiting. What would I do today if we entered that bear market, though? I would probably sit in fiat regardless, and I may try to buy in on bounces. and. Um, I guess you could, in theory, then say that I'm longing it, uh, or however you want to do that, and then sell at the top of a of a little bounce up and move back into fiat and just keep riding it like that. Um, or realistically, I don't. I'm okay with sitting on the sidelines for a few months if I have to. Um, I, I'm a big proponent too about you don't have to make a trade every day. I don't day trade, so if the trend's going down, I can sit on the sideline and wait it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great point. You know, patience is a huge part of this. And of course, when people start trading, uh, everybody, well, not everybody, but a large majority of people, they want to be day traders. You know, they want to sit down at their computer and say, okay, I can make $100 today, or I can make $1,000 today, and I can do that every day. Um, but I mean, just like Potato said, the reality of that is that a lot of people can't. Uh, a lot of people don't have the time to do that. You know, there's people that are in this space that are trading that that have real jobs nine to five or whatever it is uh, have families have other sorts of you know commitments that they have to they have to focus on um, and that's why swing trading or or even just investing um, is a better choice for a lot of people uh, day trading is difficult you know even for people that are decent swing traders um, it's it's something that a lot of people just can't do um, you know, for various reasons. Uh, I think there's kind of a follow-up to that too. The Raider of the Ark asks, or well, he doesn't ask, he just kind of responded to Bert that there's still trades to be had during a bear trend. Uh, there's still ups and downs. A bear trend doesn't mean 100% downward movement. You just need to know your trading style. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of what I'm saying here too. Um, I agree with that too. Yeah, and that, that is something that's very important is you know, answering the question for, for yourself. I mean, it's something that, you know, we all have to figure out is what kind of trader am I? Um, and that's something that I'm definitely writing an article on uh, for us and, and to publish. Um, and Potato touches on that idea in one of his articles that's uh, listed here in the reading section too, is figuring out what kind of trader you actually are, whether it's a swing trader or a day trader or something else. Yep, and uh, I don't remember where I read it at or who I saw said it, so I apologize. I can't pay the best credit to it, but uh, basically the quote went somewhere along the lines of uh, people don't stop making money during a bear market. Only the smart ones keep doing it, um, and I mean that's realistically kind of it is, yes, you're absolutely right. There's money to be made. There are bounces to be played. There are swings to be had. 
Um, there's leverages to be done. It's just, again, what kind of style trader are you and if you're willing to take those risks or not? Yep. Um, all right, next question we have here. Uh, Hon Hondro says, hey guys, thanks for hosting the AMA. Thoughts on taking profits end of December to be sure you have enough fiat for taxes in April? Oh yeah, okay, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't trade into USD. Um, I, I trade on margin um, or something else in order to preserve my profit. Um, when I cash out, I normally cash out smaller amounts. Um, but uh, one of the great things about um, certain leverage trading options is that you can essentially move into um, a, well, synthetic fiat, some people have called it, or uh, just a hedge against your entire position that can preserve your profits in case of a downtrend. You know, And you're not going to catch the top, and you're probably not going to catch the bottom of most things um, when you're trying to go the other way. But you can, you know, you can preserve quite a bit of profit without having to cash out and actually pay taxes on the whole thing that way. And that's one of the big advantages um, with margin trading, actually, for me personally. Um, there are other ways to do this, you know, um, cashing out into certain coins you don't have to necessarily pay taxes on. But this is also a question that is on where you are in the world. I believe this question is mainly focused on people in the U.S. I'd assume, certainly assume so, too, with the date of April tied to it. Um, and the timing is less important um, for, like, time of year as opposed to, uh, you know, try and cash out when you're in profit and on a pump, <laughs> if possible, um, so that you're not yeah, cashing out, yeah, later on when it's less money, because then you can end up, yeah, the tax tax situation can get very difficult for you. Um, but I'm not a tax expert, so I really can't tell you what the best things to do are for tax purposes. That's something that um, you know you really want to talk to a lawyer or a CPA or someone else about. There's old, uh, what's her name? I think crypto tax girl or something like that that recently yeah. jumped into the space. Um, she has a lot of good information. Uh, she says she's a CPA. I can't, of course, confirm that. But I follow her and kind of see what she says. But yeah, I mean, really for any of those tax questions and stuff like that, you need to contact a licensed CPA because I am certainly not that. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, we do have some plans for the Mountain Community eventually to have some more uh, authorized tax information for people, but um, but that's not yeah, ready yet. For, uh, for next year, if we can, to have some Q&As and things like that. Obviously, we have to schedule these things out. We have to get people to be on board, but the intention is certainly there as we get closer to tax season next year to you know have some licensed professionals and things like that come into the group and talk to folks. Yep. All right, so we have uh, Blockchain GE says, I use cross margin exclusively, but I keep enough BTC in the account and I keep my position sizes somewhat small, so liquidations are never anywhere even remotely close. Um, okay, that's not really a question, I guess. Yeah, that's just a statement. Uh, be careful with cross margin in general um, because that that is how you can lose your entire account value. Um, I personally prefer to have uh, higher, higher leverage uh, and either have a stop loss or use liquidation as my stop loss on a, on a very high leverage position that's more of just kind of a, well, if I'm wrong, then at least I have this open. Uh, Cred said, which is one of my good old pals, when you say trend, and I think he's speaking to me about that, uh, how do I establish that? Um, so my personal favorite indicators for that, um, I really, really, really like EMAs on a long-term uh, schedule, I'm sorry, long-term um, scale, I guess the word I'm looking for. Uh, but I like doing the uh, 2050, 100, 200s. Um, I like seeing, looking for things like golden crosses, uh, things of that nature. Granted, a lot of those, uh, to be aware, EMAs are lagging indicators, so you can certainly miss out on a lot of price and movement. 
but I like to see the trends be confirmed in that circumstance, or at least significant movement to where it appears in the future that we may get some of those crosses. I also like the uh, old Ichimoku, which I learned from Cred's videos, or at least a, a good part of the experience that got me familiar with it was from his videos, and then practically applying that information. Yeah, those are, that's definitely some good ways to do that. Um, and uh, I will I will say that I actually, I determined trend purely based on price action. Um, if you go to the education section here at the mountain, um, there is a whole section on Dow theory in TA 101. Um, and that is the start of determining trend uh, for myself. Um, but it goes, I mean, there's a lot more to it. It's with than what's, well, that's, like I said, that's the start of it. There's more to it than what's there. Um, and you can learn more about it if you continue to look at how to establish trend. It's something you can Google. Um, I use the uh, technical analysis for the financial markets book that is actually uh, listed there in that section. Um, price action trend just means higher high lower low or higher high higher low or lower high lower low um or uh you can have you know the same high and the same low and that's just a sideways market um markets have three trends a lot of people like to think that they only have two up or down but sideways is also a trend and it's a trend that you can find uh, and see when it's established and see when it ends. So, you know, one of the big uh, arguments on Twitter and in various places, of course, was when, when or if the bear trend has ended. And uh, people use different methods to determine trends. So that's why there was some disagreement. But, um, you know, once you start to get price action, especially on a longer time frame, that gives you a higher low and then breaks the previous resistance which will give you a higher high that is the start of a new trend what you don't know is whether that trend is a new major trend at first or whether it's just a uh, intermediate trend or a short-term trend and you can look up the definitions for all those things as well but price action can tell you trend these things that potato mentions um, they're averages of the price action itself and for me i use those things to back up my own thoughts on the price action so if the price action is showing me a new trend or a continuation of a trend and then i see the emas or the mas or the ichi cloud or ichi settings in general if those things are also agreeing with the price action that tells me that the trend is going on or the trend can continue um, so let me know, Cred, if I answered that for you properly or if you, uh, if you have more follow-up questions. And then what do we have next here? Potato, 20, 60, 120, 30. Um, I think that's for the, uh, the bunker from Lost. Pretty sure it has something to do with that. <laughs> that's, the, that's the crypto Ichimoku settings. Uh, I was passing that over to old Commander Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, nice lost reference. <laughs> yeah, nice lost reference. Let's not pass that up. Yeah. Um, epistemi, or epistemic uh, crisis, do you have any things to add to some of these things that we've said? Uh, as far as establishing a trend, I think you did a, a great job of explaining it. You know, obviously, figuring out whether or not the market is trending or, you know, if it is trending, what that trend is. Like there are entire indicators dedicated to doing just that, yeah. uh, you know, all to varying degrees of success or, you know, whether or not they're successful, I guess, probably depends on how you use them. But, you know, there's the average directional index, uh, the RSI uh, and I mean, stochastic originally was, uh, according to the guy who created it, is simply a measure of the momentum of the market. You know, if the stochastic is over 50, that means like, the market is slowly trending upwards and you know when the stochastic is below uh, the market is you know slowly trending down and so I mean depending on how you look at it a lot of the indicators we use 
are simply trying to determine the trend of the market, either short-term or long-term, uh, you know, depending on the indicator. Uh, so great question. Uh, how do you establish that? Entire books on establishing a trend. <laughs> uh, and then Crypto Phoenix wants to know, Potato McGruff, uh, I mean, why you be chilling? <laughs> well, I, you know, chilling like a villain on penicillin, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> My wife heard that and she went, seriously? <laughs> she doesn't think you're as cool as we think you are, huh? Is that the... Uh... Apparently not. <laughs> I'll be told to take out the garbage here in about the next five minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funny, I'm trying to host a Q&A for all these crypto people. Shut up and take out the garbage. Oh, damn. You're definitely taking it out now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what, uh, what is the difference between cross-margin and leverage? Cross-margin uh, cross doesn't use necessarily a single set form of leverage. Like, for example, if you're using 10 times leverage, that means you can open a position that is 10 times the size of the amount that you have reserved in your margin account. If you're using, and so here's the thing, for example, if you have uh, $400 in your account and you open up a 10-time position on $100, you're opening up $1,000, but you're only risking $100, okay? So you can only ever lose $100. If you open a cross-margin position for the same amount, $1,000, you are risking your entire account balance to secure that position. Um, now, you have a much, much lower or much, uh, uh, liquidation that is much farther away from your entry price when you use cross margin, but you can lose your entire account balance uh, because of that. Um, okay, cross, cross margin, oh, you already answered that. <laughs> if I would read ahead. Yep. Hey, but you did a better job. Mine was very brief. Yours was extensive. I think it was a, it was a good tag team. Um, oh. Also, I just want to quickly hop in here. I, I, I kind of uh, going to let the Q&A right from here, but um, don't use margin, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't. If, if you're not, um, yeah, already very, um, like, very secure of yourself that you're actually a profitable trader and that you know what you're doing, Please don't. I know many people, and that's why I think we see so many questions. <laughs> think it's like this way of getting rich quick, but if that's the mindset, I can tell you now, you won't get rich quick. You'll get broke real quick. So, just lost the segment. Exact please don't. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. I think a lot of people think that leverage trading is a way to get rich much faster than average trading, which you're not wrong, but you're also taking on a lot more risk when you do that. And really, it's just like any kind of a trade. If you trade into a specific altcoin and you decide to put 100% of your portfolio into it, sure, you stand to make a lot more off that coin, but you also assume a lot more risk. So, you know, with anything that gives you a higher reward, there's a higher risk involved with it. All right. Amen. So, Amen. yeah. So the next question, uh, Cred, is kind of a follow-up question to the one before. Uh, what forms a directional bias for you? And is it only whatever you use to establish trend or other tools as well? Um, Potato, you want to start with that? You want me to? No? Uh, maybe he's taking out the... Uh, yeah, he's getting the growth. <laughs> All right, so what forms a directional bias for you? Um, directional bias for those of you who are wondering if you don't understand what he means. Um, if credit is <laughs> So a directional bias is a matter of understanding like um, higher level charts. So understanding support, resistance, things like that. Uh, and just like tendency of the market that will continue to move in one direction or the other. Um, so Essentially, uh, what he's asking is like what 
you know, how, how do you tell what the trend is? Like, sure, you can have these things, but, but how do you determine? So you, you have to kind of set yourself some rules or you have to follow a set of rules. Um, and for me personally, I follow the rules of the Dow theory. I follow the rules of price action. And then, like I said before, I use indicators that are going to, to confirm or conflict with that. Um, one of the big ones that I use is actually uh, a mechanical system from the MACD or based on the MACD. Uh, I've customized it and I'm going to I'm going to be sharing that actually with the group at some point. We'll be building a team that kind of pays attention to that uh, just as just as a way so that I'm not the only one looking at it and, and more people can kind of pay attention to when this makes calls because for trend following, it has proved itself over the past year to be a very, very effective system. Um, it is smarter than I am and uh, it makes directional bias calls sooner than I'm able to. Um, but for me, directional bias is based a lot on support and resistance. Um, so, you know, I use the magnet tool and I use the ray tool in, oh, we got some baby action. Um, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I use the ray tool and the magnet tool um, in TradingView to establish support and resistance lines because the ray tool continues to draw the line out in front of you. Um, so that way you pick two points in your, in your chart for example, if you go to a Bitcoin chart uh, on the daily time frame, um, then you can pick two points of higher lows or lower highs, um, and you can draw a ray that will continue drawing itself from those points that you pick. Um, and I will, I will typically pick the on the daily chart. I will use the wicks. And on lower time frames, I'll use the candle bodies. Um, oh, he says not quite what I meant. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll answer that too. Um, <clears throat> so with the trend though, with my directional bias for that, I'm looking at whether that price action continues to bounce off of the places where it has before along that trend line or if it breaks that trend line that I have drawn. Um, if it breaks it, that's one of the signals for me that maybe a new trend is starting. And then I go look at some of the lagging indicators that can potentially confirm that that's happening. But you can have a break of a trend and then a continuation of that trend, it does happen. Um, so let's see, okay, I just wanna, <clears throat> sorry, I'm sick guys. So. I'm trying to uh, not choke on my words here. Uh, I just want to follow up with the other part of that before we move on. Not quite what I meant. I'm simply asking what, if anything, makes you seek longs, avoid shorts, or seek shorts, avoid longs. Okay. I tend to trade with the direction that the overall market is going. So. Obviously, you know, we're in alt season right now. The alts are tending upwards. So I, I would say shorting alts right now in general, not a great idea. You could easily end up underwater and not recover from that. And similarly, similarly, you know, going long during the like long bear, not that long, you know, three month long bear market of, uh, you know, alts and Bitcoin in general, uh, going long, uh, you know, often would have been, you know, counter trend and thus, you know, much more dangerous because you can end up underwater and your, your position doesn't really. Yeah. Recover. So to try and answer that a little bit more directly, uh, cred, the one of the major reversal things that I use is the MACD system. Um, I have custom settings for it, which makes trend based calls that are extremely accurate on higher time frames. And once that makes a call, I start looking for things that back up that call. Um, an equal, uh, I would say, yeah, an equal, an equally important item for me is on a long-term chart, the price action. I want to see the price create a high and then a lower high if I'm going to start looking for shorts because that's the two points that I'm gonna use to draw my trend. 
Um, I'm going to use that ray tool along with that magnet mode in order to draw a line from a high to a lower high. And as long as it stays there, I'm shorting every time it gets near that point. Um, and then, of course, closing at a small loss if necessary, if it breaks through, and then starting to look for longs. Um, you know, this is not, it's not 100%, of course, nothing is, but it is very effective. If you do this right now, if you go to a Bitcoin chart on the one day, on the, well, you can use the log or you can use the arithmetic, which, oh, geez, I, like I said, I can't talk. <clears throat> um, you can, you can use the logarithmic or you can use the, or how do I say that word, please? Linear, thank you, that works, linear. yeah. Um, the linear or the log. And you can draw that point from the two tops, you know, the 19,000 and the 17,000, and that line's gonna go straight down and it's gonna hit, you know, a couple other points down here and then you'll see where it broke through on both of those charts. So that's something that I used very effectively during the bear market uh, to short at certain points. Um, and then on the opposite side, I used the MACD system during that time for bounces uh, to open long positions very effectively as well. Um, you can do the same thing last year. If you draw a trend line on the lows, you'll notice that the price action started to go parabolic and that just means that the trend kept getting uh, closer and closer to vertical. So you had a higher angle um, at various points throughout last year and uh, price action really never broke the support, it just kept bouncing off and then creating a, a more vertical uh, bullish trend for all of last year. Basically, I know Krat asked me this question in the previous Q&A as well, so I kind of gave it some thought. Um, more thought anyway. Um, I'm still learning um, like different tools in order to set directional bias. Um, but what I did, like, wrote down in my rule book anyway, and just my trading strategy for now is, um, especially in parabolic markets, um, I mean, see XRP or even Bitcoin last year, right? Or like big green candles up. Um, you know there's also going to be um, big candles down in the way. Obviously, you never want to buy on the top of a big green candle because you know you're going to foam win. That's something entirely different. But um, um, I do know, like, if there's like this massive big green candle up, the moment it get ba gets back to it, there probably won't be won't be much support during that time too. So that's um, some an area where I would avoid uh, trying to go long again until it hits like more proper support. I guess um, I hope that's a little bit more. Uh, I'm still learning more. Um, I'd love to share that stuff, but I'm not co too confident uh, in those tools yet, so I'm not going to basically. Um, so yeah, that's one other thing I would add to that too is just because this is a rather this is a very important question This is why I'm kind of spending more time on it for you guys um, Because it's something that you know, I speak on a lot here Just the fact of needing to determine the trend and not to trade against the trend um, And I I think this is why cred is asking these questions because he also understands this is an extremely important thing um, you know with if you like for example, the Ichi is also another one that a lot of people use and the crosses and things like that. But um, if, you, if you draw the trend lines, like I've been telling you for BTC in an increasingly parabolic manner, um, you'll notice that if you were following this idea, you would have sold much sooner um, when the price action broke the increasingly vertical trend line versus waiting for the Ichi cloud bearish cross above the cloud, um, which would have been a, a, a weaker sell signal from where it, where it was at the time. So next, uh, TA books that you would recommend that are not written by Murphy. <laughs> Does uh, anybody, anybody uh, have any books that they recommend? We do have some stuff we can post to later, but um, you know everything is also available online, guys. <laughs> um, I actually don't. <laughs> Personal experience. No, I um I learn a lot by uh, looking actually. Uh, well, looking and studying 
things online, I guess, uh, resources. Um, not really into books anyway. <laughs> I'm a reader, but I, I haven't I haven't looked at many TA books yet because it seems like many of the books are you know sort of on one topic, and right now I'm I'm still I'm still attempting to get like like a general sense of you know all the different ways that a person can trade. Uh, you know, you got to find your own trading style. So um, I I don't know. I've been looking at books by John Ellers. He's a uh, he's uh, electrical engineer who went into trading. Uh, I think his one book is Cybernetic Approaches to Trading. I, I obviously he doesn't mean like actual, uh, you know, I mean, cyborgs. That's the word. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I guess I I don't have that many. Uh, if if you're just starting to get into technical analysis, uh, you know, look for some of the classics. Uh, you're, you're going to want to look into books more on the psychology of trading first and foremost, because uh, however good you are at TA, if, if, you, if you can't follow a strategy, uh, then you're just you're you're not going to be profitable. Um, I think Cred um, mentioned something else. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, the trend does not mean a directional bias. Um, you can also get a bearish directional bias and a bullish trend and vice versa. I'd be careful conflating the two. Uh, completely agree. Um, I mean, I guess what, if I'm gonna like kind of close down on what everything that's just said is that um, it's price action based um, and you don't wanna, you wanna avoid going long when there's massive uh, daily, weekly resistance that's coming up, right? Um, say we go to 11.5k and we're close to like some massive uh, bearish zones on BTC right now. You want to avoid going long there in a way, and I guess um, it's a little bit too inherent for me. And I haven't written it out and thought about it enough, maybe, um, to explain it to everyone. Um, but yeah, they're not the same, so uh, agreed. <laughs> so yeah, and I'll I'll follow up with that. Um, it's so. Here's the thing: we're talking about different time frames, different trend levels too. Um, you can have, I mean, you can have short term, intermediate, and major or longer term trends. Uh, you know, and those things don't have to all agree with one another. You can have a short-term bearish trend in an intermediate bullish trend and vice versa and you can have a sideways trend in the middle somewhere and so you know again what what i'm saying um if i'm i think that i think that you might be confused about what i'm saying with some of that um but if you've read dow theory guys if you if you look at the literature on price action you'll see some of this information there as well, detailed very exhaustively in, in many different forms. But this idea forms the basis of all trading, of all trend following systems, of just about everything out there. Um, you know, candlestick patterns are one of the few things that are based on something else. Um, so, you know, and I agree that trend does not have to equal directional bias necessarily. Uh, absolutely. Um, and that's what I'm saying is, you know, you can have shorter term, longer term, medium term trends within each other. And that's the same thing Cred is saying here too. Um, I don't think that that's really conflating, uh, the two, but you know, you can continue to try and explain that question a little bit more. If, uh, if you're dissatisfied Cred, that's fine. Um, but it is something that exists. You can see, you know, multiple smaller trends within a larger trend. And that's why being able to follow that trend and see if you're looking on a four hour time frame, you're going to see a lot more trends than if you're looking at only a daily time frame. And this falls back to what we were talking about earlier, where you need to figure out what kind of trader you are. If you're a swing trader and you're trying to day trade, you know, you, you might be mixing up 
different. You, know, you might be mixing up your styles too much. You, you really need to determine, you know, what kind of timeframes you're going to look at and why and make a system for yourself based on what kind of trader you see yourself being. Um, that's something that's very important. And I think that's what Cred is saying here, uh, I believe. How about I'll do a tutorial on what Cred is Yeah, we can do that too. In the next few days. Nice. Okay. It does. Uh, it does seem like uh, there needs some explanation of this uh, to some traders out there because it is kind of a complex thing. So maybe we can. Put yeah, I think that. that most importantly, right now, we don't need to try and explain every part of it here. I think that you know, start with trend, start with Dow theory, look into that, and once you've mastered the basics, start learning about some of these more complex aspects. I still don't have anything further to add to it. I think you nailed it. All right. And, oh, okay. So he's got a book there. Missed the end of the chat. Uh, all right. Um, do we have any other questions? I think I saw some up to look Oh, the miners. <laughs> um, let's see. What's your guys' thoughts? I personally, uh, I personally don't have any experience with mining. Uh, it just doesn't. It's not part of my forte or my world. I would not be the best one to answer that in any way, shape, or form. Gotcha. So with with mining, um, we are actually going to have some AMAs uh, and Q&As with some people who are running larger mining operations. So if you guys can hold on to some of those things until then, uh, you can have some people that, you know, really know what they're doing, uh, tell you about, you know, what's going on and, and what they see in the future for some of these things. Um, with my limited understanding of what could happen at that time is that, uh, you know, if, if ETH does go to a proof of stake algorithm um, completely, then you would see people starting to mine, you know, just whatever is profitable and whatever is, uh, <clears throat> what's the word, uh, whatever their miner can mine that is the most profitable at that time. So if it's a miner that was made specifically for ETH, uh, they would be out of luck, but I, I don't believe that there are miners that can only mine ETH. I believe they could also mine ETC and some other things too. So I believe that's what would happen. Um, but yeah, we will have an expert opinion on that at some point. Uh, ETC, okay. Um, as well, we've uh, kind of approached the, uh, the hour mark. So if we missed any questions, if we didn't miss any questions, I think we're going to wrap it up a little bit. Um, I still have to announce we have a new channel for the ones that are in here. Um, it's called Meet the Team. Uh, I'm going to fill it up on a daily basis with basically like a, a small story uh, or like a small set of questions uh, our contributors uh, answered. Uh, so we everyone can get to know uh, the people that are in here and post it frequently. Uh, a little bit better, uh, kind of get a feel for what they do, uh, what kind of tools they use, whatever. Um, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a daily thing, so uh, be sure to check that sometime. It's under the introduction channel. Um, furthermore, I don't really have anything to add. Uh, anyone else? <laughs> nope, I don't have anything further other than I, uh, I jinxed the fact that I said the baby was sleeping because now she's mad and heard it. Rip. <laughs> Niels, you woke the baby up. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, McGruff. That's all right. Hey, well, thank you so right. much, everybody. Thank you for coming. And <clears throat> sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm sick, but uh, <laughs> sorry, potatoes out of power, but uh, <laughs> we did our best here. Um, but thank you for asking all. She ain't happy now, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we should, we should call it. Yeah, thank you for uh, asking some questions and keeping us busy for the hour. Um, we do have some more events coming up this week. Uh, we will be starting, actually, a Twitch stream on a regular basis this week. So keep an eye out for an announcement about that. Um, we have some more educational materials coming out soon. 
And uh, if you are a more active member, um, you can check out some of the leveraged education uh, in the education section. Um, if you're new and you haven't looked through the education section, start there. Um, the, this information can answer a lot more of these questions and can give you a little bit more in-depth um, information about what Cred is talking about, what I'm talking about, and uh, also what Nick will be doing um, an educational piece on. Sounds like coming up for you, so that's awesome.